0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry
2: You are hearing me talk. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's get after it.
1: On the last episode of the Let's Get Weird sports podcast and this is usually where we would throw in some dramatic music and some recap of an argument that paul and i have had but our production values are not that high and quite frankly they don't pay us enough to make them that high we are back that's right The let's get weird sports podcast is back for season two as we left off on a dramatic cliffhanger last time and as always i'm travis miller of hammer and Rails.com, and with me is paul banks of the sports bank in chicago Welcome back, Paul.
2: It's great to be back. Season two. Who knew that the networks would renew us for a, a
1: second season? And there goes our cliffhanger. Paul did indeed live in the uh, final after the final episode of last season.
2: <laughs> we were, yeah, there. Were, we were worried that I may have succumbed to a tabby cat attack.
1: I, I know we tried to set up some sort of uh, cliffhanger coming into this season, and I can't remember what it was, but. I'm sure that, our yep, there you are, Otis. Thank you for coming back. Dynamite drop in. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that would be Otis Paul's orange tabby cat that loves to chime in during the podcast.
2: You have anything you more to say, Otis? Ah, well, he's saving it for the heavier
1: material, I'm sure. <laughs> so our season debut will be on Art Schleeter. Is it Schlichter? Schleeter? Schliester. Uh, Schleester. Schleester. Schleeter. Ah, uh, yes. Art Schleeter. I should have put at least a bet on me not saying that not right. Anyway. <laughs> well, Art you're Schleister. not
2: in mid-season form yet, as it's only the season two opener.
1: Right. And, well, I used all my podcasting juice on Sunday night when we did the last Hammer and Nails podcast of the football season. So two podcasts in one week from us. Juan's really earning it this week as our as our engineer. <laughs> Thank you very much, Otis. I'm glad to see that you're in solidarity with Juan. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah,
2: Juan Otis <laughs> was giving Juan props there.
1: <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh Art like <laughs> many great Ohio State quarterbacks, of course, has a loss to Purdue. Uh in doing in doing some uh Research here this afternoon. Uh, I guess I can kind of do his statistical analysis and then we can get a little bit deeper into why he makes such an interesting character. But uh, Schleister was one of the greatest passing quarterbacks of all time for uh, Woody Hayes and The Ohio State University. He was the final starting quarterback for Woody Hayes in 1978, and he's the one that threw the, assi- the interception that. That led to the assault on Charlie Bauman and when Hayes was eventually fired after the 1978 Gator Bowl. We also have a Purdue crossover here because during that 1978 season, Art lost to our beloved Boilermakers 27-16 in West Lafayette, Indiana. And that was one of the incredibly rare 10-year war losses uh, during the dominance between Ohio State and Michigan where... Both schools very, very rarely lost to anyone outside of each other in the Big Ten. That that was a pretty big upset for an up-and-coming Purdue team that would go on to three straight bowl games in 1978, 79, and 80. Uh, Schliester went on to throw for 7,500 passing yards and 15 touchdown passes, which back in that time of the Big Ten was really, really impressive because... It was very much the three yards and a cloud of dust offense. He also rushed for 1,300 yards. And then eventually, after leaving Ohio State in 1981, he eventually ended up with the Baltimore Colts and then the Indianapolis Colts. As he was one of the quarterbacks on the first Indianapolis Colts squad in 1984. Uh, that Colts squad, like many pre-Payton Manning squads, was not very good. They went 4-12, and and Schleister split time with Mike Pagel at quarterback, as well as another Boilermaker, Mark Herman. Schleister was 0-5 as the starter, only had 702 yards, three, inter- three touchdowns, and seven interceptions, as that Colts team was absolutely putrid. So that's kind of the parallels that we have here to Purdue and his crossover. But uh, obviously, he was a little bit more well-known for uh, his off-the-field activity, wouldn't you say, Paul? We're not dedicating
2: an entire podcast to a man with uh, the single-game INT's record in Ohio State history and career passing yards at Ohio State for the longest time. Um, He's a lot more than a guy who had... Three touchdown passes and 11 picks in the NFL. He's the first player in 20 years to be suspended from the NFL for gambling. And gambling is where his story begins and ends. And everything that we're going to talk about pretty much centers
1: around his gambling addiction. Yeah, uh, did not have a great NFL career. Only lasted, only officially appeared in 13 games. And like you said, three touchdowns, 11 interceptions just barely over a thousand yards and i don't think a lot of people truly appreciate how abysmal those Colts teams were before really about 1994 95 when they had Jim Harbaugh almost took him to a super bowl with a miracle playoff run but before that uh, their first couple of their first decade decade and a half in indianapolis was just absolutely atrocious uh, i know they won the division in 1987 but Uh, That was the strike year, and they didn't even get to host a playoff game (laughs) despite winning the AFC East. So uh, I remember going to a game or two as a kid where the upper deck would be completely devoid of any fans whatsoever. He really was kind of the mark of bad Colts quarterbacking back then.
2: Interesting aside, he also played basketball at Ohio State and uh, guarded Magic Johnson in a game. Their careers intersected. Well, wow, that's impressive. And, and probably the very definition of what would be irony, when he was a student, there was a book written about him, a biography called Straight Arrow. <laughs> because as we're going to tell the story tonight, this is a man who has spent time in literally over 50 different jails and prisons and has served multiple different prison sentences. Uh,
1: and, you, and you mentioned straight arrow, and that's really where his downfall began. Uh, he was frequently spotted at the Seattle Downs in Columbus as a big-time Ohio gambler, when, even when he was back in college. <laughs> and uh, But the Ohio State Police Departments and the Athletic Department didn't really have enough evidence to go to the NCAA about being a, a big-time gambler, even though... <laughs> i'm sorry we can't repeat that one i'm sorry <laughs>
2: oh yeah i saw that now
1: <laughs> juan just uh do- dropped in in the little uh, skype chat that we have with a dynamite joke that if we repeated it would definitely piss off some of our regular readers so we're just going to leave that where it is and uh go back to arch as the gambler ohio state didn't report The evidence to the NCAA but as we know uh, in the past let's face it they're not going to report that their starting quarterback is a gambler when they have a chance to win a Big Ten title and they came close to a national title as well.
2: And that really is a big part of the Art Schleser story and what led to his downfall in that he was from this small farm town he grew up on a farm in central Ohio and just in the entire state and around Columbus and everywhere else he went, he kind of got star calls in the justice system. He would get your slap on the wrist for the longest time. So he never really got any tough love early on in his criminal career. So when he got to a point later in life, when he really was out of control, then he started getting hit with like, hardcore sentences, you know, really getting the maximum penalty. You have to wonder if someone had stopped him earlier. I mean, who knows? Maybe things would have been different if he had like learned his lesson early, but maybe not because he keeps repeating kind of the same cycles. His um in those days, uh what qualified as a first-round draft pick signing bonus in the NFL was 350,000 and he blew that in the track right away.
1: Oh geez, he he. When you mentioned that he you know came across and had multiple questionable activities while he was in school, and a couple of questionable run-ins with the law, and had the star treatment, reminds me a little bit of Maurice Clarette, except for clarette eventually did you know turn his life around and is actually doing pretty well for himself right now, all things considered.
2: Yeah, I think he's a good example of, of um someone who's kind of redeemable in that regard, and you know there was. We'll get to a point in our story here where Schleister reached that level where uh, Ryan Leaf has, you know, getting back to one of our earlier Let's Get Weird, where you're like, oh, well, the Ryan Leaf story has a happy ending because he did learn and he did change. And it it seemed to the outside world that Arch Schleister did. But then there was more recidivism. Um, It all kind of by 1983. Yes, Otis. That's right. His NFL career was over by then.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I know this is tough. We're going to get into heavier material now,
1: Otis. Um, this is where we get the Fox News, uh, the Fox Sports injury music. The da 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 da.
2: I just made a joke about that a couple weeks ago. Like this is the serious, sensitive music. As they pull out the stretcher cut to commercial um, so he had bounced around in the arena leagues in Canada didn't work out um he did marry he had two kids but he wasn't able to ever he, him being in charge of the finances was always trouble between 1987 and 1992, he was arrested three different times for writing bad checks. In 1994, he moves to, wait for it, Las Vegas. Oh,
1: well, of course. can't now, be arrested for illegal gambling if it's not illegal there.
2: And you can imagine what he was doing all the time when he was in Vegas. <laughs> so this leads to charges of, of stealing checks, writing bad checks, To the point of hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking bad checks, maybe about half a million. And over the course of his life, he said that he's probably lost um, somewhere in the millions. Good Lord. Between 1994 and 2006, he had been in
1: and out of 40
2: different prisons and jails.
1: And this was after he was suspended for an entire NFL season. And this is early 80s money, so this is... This money that he is losing is ridiculous, and you know I understand that gambling is an addiction and everything. But at some point, don't you realize that you're just extremely bad at it if you're losing all this money?
2: You know, I saw on the CNBC American Greed one of the panelists said that he doesn't he him winning his first bet at the track was the worst thing that ever happened.
1: Oh, understandable. Yeah, that's how it starts. And,
2: um, backing up a little bit, uh, when he was in college, he went to visit a 10 year old boy whose father and other family members had died in a plane crash. And the boy was very depressed. He suffered very severe injuries in this, this genuine act of kindness. This, I mean, he was, you know, he was at this point in his life, art was, you know, at this moment, he was a really good guy. He brought all these signed uh, artifacts for the kid and went to visit him, and it really lifted his spirits. And to the point that his mother believes that Art Schleister saved the boy's life.
1: Oh, wow.
2: I bring that up because we need, because the mother comes into this story later. She's a woman named Anita Barney, who was widowed by the plane crash of 1980, remarried in 1982. In December 2009 she's at a church in Westerville, Ohio. He's widowed again and this time um her second husband was a man by the name of Bob Barney who was CEO of Wendy's. She has a lot of money to say the Yeah. Least. yeah that, that's
1: that's the uh that's the hamburger money right there.
2: I, I did not know that Wendy's was Ohio based until um I started researching Art Lister, but anyway, at this point, um, art is very much kind of doing the public relations, public speaking circuit. Um, he's, he's penned an autobiography called busted. He's coming clean about who he was. He's, he's been in prison for a long time. He's been away from his kids. He's seen his life destroyed and he's trying to change. And he's, well, I, at this point, everyone believes he has changed. I mean, the man is literally doing PSAs, trying to stop casinos from moving into Ohio. This is when he reconnects with Anita, with Anita Barney, whose son is now 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's doing a book signing. They say hello. They agree to meet. He comes to hang out and he brought some food with him to visit Anita Barney. And can you guess what it was? Wendy's. Yep.
1: <laughs>
2: so from there, he asks to borrow ten thousand, or I think it's about ten thousand, some of the money so he can buy a car to visit his daughters. That money never went for a car to go visit his daughters.
1: Of course not. And there, and there's where we get the more of the weepy sonata music coming up after the break. <laughs>
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Also, at this time,
2: he's um he's gotten into selling Ohio State tickets. No, he can't get you free tickets, mm-hmm. but he can sell them to you, and it's not too long before that gets exposed as the Ponzi scheme. He's also a Sports Talk radio co-host. He's He's got a nice, cushy media job, and, I mean... He's really, real. Despite everything that he's done and everything that's gone wrong, he's he's very well beloved at this point.
1: Well, of course he is. He's he he's still a local legend for Ohio State in in, in uh, the state of Ohio. I mean, like you said, they they're gonna get that preferential rah rah treatment. The sp- the sports radio talk show host
2: noticed that he has two phones all the time. <laughs> and they're going off all that time? Yes, yeah, so Otis, that's a burner phone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, he asks his radio co-host to go in on getting some, some Ohio State basketball season tickets. And he's about to do it until the radio co-host's wife steps in and says, um, Have you read his autobiography? <laughs> I mean, at this point, he's already done. There was... At- At one point, he had met with the Fed in part of a sting operation in 1983 to get um, some of the gambling elements that he'd been working with, some of the syndicates that he believed were connected to the mob but really weren't, or they tried to intimidate him by saying that they were. So by that point, he's got kind of a whole web of different, well, let's say his life is complicated. It sounds like it at this point, yes. From then on he goes to back to Anita Barney and it was ten grand, became a hundred grand, so then she gives him a hundred thousand dollar loan so he can pay restitution and pay off all of
1: his different fines, gambling debts. And see at this point, yes, he obviously has this terrible gambling problem and everything else, but there is a certain amount of people just enabling him by continuing to give him his mitts. Like, do you not realize that this man is terrible with money? Don't give it to him.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like in the American greed, Anita talks about how she never had to manage money her whole life because, you know, she had a couple of rich husbands, so she didn't know how to manage money, but you're now you're letting the worst possible human being on the planet. Take care of money.
1: No, that's no, that's funny.
2: <laughs> she, she claims that there was. She claims there was no um, romantic relationship here. There was no sexual relationship.
1: Uh huh.
2: And sure. it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just you know, and their relationship really shows the different, just how a per, a person really going a transformation. Different types of evil. Because in the beginning, he was. You know, this local legend, this star, and he's, he's, he's charming her, and she obviously has that first impression of being an inspiration to help, to help save her son's life, and um, he was like a smooth talker. And then it gets to a point where, according to her, she lent him a million dollars in 2010 alone, and that was at a rate of about six grand per day. Oh, goodness. I wish I could lose this much money and not be affected by it. That'd be nice. You know, the really, the story of this man is that he just kept losing and kept getting and kept losing. And that's when he starts to turn to the dark side and he, he starts to threaten her. He even threatens her son, the same, the same boy that he helped save 40, 50 years ago. And at that point, Barney went to the feds and got involved with the U S attorneys she made contact, but wasn't ready to turn him in just yet. And um, that definitely makes it rough. From then, she went on to get involved in his ticket scales, ticket sales scam. At this point, Arch Lister was just buying tickets from scalpers and then reselling them. And I mean, she's a socialite. She's obviously connected to a lot of rich people. She gets them in on buying these tickets. He kind of harasses her into it then he starts to get really, really abusive and threatening. Then there's this one creepy part where he just showed up at our house and just sat there. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> and just, it was like 30 minutes of just hardly talking and then he left. Um, at this point, uh, both of them are depressed. Oh, what well, do you think? At one point where... He mentioned she wanted to commit suicide, and he said, "Oh, don't do that because they'll accuse me." Ouch. Yeah,
1: that is. I mean, you, you've gone beyond now. The cheeky and fun. Oh, ha ha. He's selling tickets for uh, for profit to uh, to. Okay, now now you're talking about suicide and everything, and that is just not good. So it gets pretty dark, and I guess we'll kind of like
2: bring it back a little bit, because this is where we kind of get to the end of the story. I mean, it does get darker, but I I think we've gone enough in that direction. Eventually, um, Barney does go back to the fence and says, I I am going to tape this guy. That's pretty interesting, because, I mean, he was literally calling her 20 to 30 times per day. That's obsessive, yo. Pretty demanding. Telling her she might have to perform sexual favors in order to get money to cover some of these Investments, I guess, if you will, these um, cost of tickets. Uh, In 2011, he gets caught uh, for wire fraud and bank fraud, a 10-year sentence, filing a false tax return. They got him on that as well. He is currently in a prison in South Carolina. um, They say his health is failing. Over the years, he was diagnosed with 17 concussions. Yeesh dementia parkinson's he he does have parkinson's disease and as for barney there's always going to be the kind of debate about how much she was kind of coerced into things threatened versus how much she might have been complicit for her part she was put on probation for three years with a charge of theft and forced to pay four hundred thousand of restitution she definitely seems to have learned her lesson and
1: <laughs> gotten away, so and, and you have to wonder with that number of concussions and everything, especially with him playing forty years ago when the safety equipment that they had wasn't nearly as good as it is now, not that it's excellent, how much of that affected his judgment as well over time. And it just it makes a tragic story even worse. You know, like like I said earlier in this, you know, we can chuckle at the okay, you're just bad at losing money, bad at gambling. But at some point, it just it really does turn, and it's the okay, this this guy just was unable to get the help he needed and sadly was enabled by a lot of people in his life that were be- giving him money, bailing him out. and, instead of actually giving him the help he needed, they really made it worse over time.
2: Right. I mean, that is a classic example of somebody who kind of gets the world handed to them at a young age and isn't ready for it. At one point, uh, supposedly, he had advised Barney, well, maybe we should just do a double suicide. Yeah, that's terrible. And you have to wonder what, for a man that had all this access and all this connections and all this accolades, why what, didn't he have access to somebody that could have given him better help? And what's so amazing about it is he did. He did hit that rock bottom and bounce.
1: He did have that wake-up call. But then he just regressed right back. And, and again, you got to wonder how much of that is is—is partially because of all the concussions. And if he, you know, it sounds like he is a definite case for CTE at this point. And obviously not having the best judgment, but he unfortunately did not have that support system around him to aid him and just be like, no dude, you, you," it's like he almost needed a babysitter at some point.
2: Right. Like some kind of handlers or somebody definitely
1: needed like an, a lawyer and accountant entourage. Right. Right. And yeah, he could never take care of his money. was awful with other people's money. And you know, it's it's unfortunately, it's not going to be a good ending for him at this point. He did move back uh, to his mom's house
2: at one point in adulthood and in mid-adulthood, but and there was only so much his parents could have done. And obviously, you know, in his upbringing, he, I mean, Columbus is a pretty big city and, and Ohio State football is a very big deal. So I guess he just never really kind of developed any street smarts, so to speak, during that time. Right.
1: Oh, yeah, that is uh, The Unfortunate End of arch Easter. Um Not as funny ha-ha as most of our, most of our ones here, but uh, obviously yeah, very much a cautionary tale of how to handle things when you are the big-time college star and everything else. Yeah, this is definitely
2: the same category as the Ryan Leaf episode, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and even and even as you said, Leaf is sort of getting things back on the right track and everything, whereas you know, it it really is just unfortunate here how circumstances have combined to where he was never able to get this all together and really truly bounce back. You know, the quote was he he would tell
2: people you just don't understand how addiction works.
1: And it, and that is the truth. Is it Addiction comes in many, many forms. It's all about chasing that high and chasing that rush. And obviously, like you said, he the worst thing to happen to him was winning that first bet and getting that initial rush. And now he just kept chasing it and chasing and chasing it. Could never quite satisfy
2: it. He just, even every time he would lose money and fall, and fall into debt and fail to make payment, it still wasn't enough to ever change his spending habits. Right.
1: Exactly.
2: All that money just went right out to gambling.
1: And, and uh, there, I know that the other parallel with Maurice Claret there is, is part of the trouble that he got into was when he had those two years that he had to wait for the NFL he had a lot of people that were giving him money expecting a payment back once he made it big in the NFL and got his big contract and everything else. That is just so hard to do in the NFL, especially without the guaranteed contracts, with the way one thing can get you cut pretty much forever. You, know, you saw a similar thing where he was not – obviously, it wasn't the gambling, but it was he was not able to pay those people back. And then suddenly they're like, uh, you owe us some money and – You know, you're in deep with us. Uh, You didn't deliver professionally, and we gave you all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some consequences. Yeah, that was another um,
2: element kind of to the story I forgot to mention was the strike or the lockout year was during his NFL career, and he's sitting there with a big signing bonus and nothing to do. So Schleister was his his rookie. He got his signing bonus and nowhere to go, and just idle time and a lot of money just leads to major, major
0: trouble.
1: Well, at least we can end on a positive note in that he lost to Purdue uh, as a freshman quarterback. <laughs> back back before many of the concussions, not all of them, because it sounds like he had them as far back as like high school and stuff, but uh, any time that Ohio State loses a game at Purdue, it's a uh, hilarious event, and I am here for it. Even though that was a Purdue team that went 9-2-1, and uh, and would have gone to the Rose Bowl if not for a tie with a middling 5-4-2 Wisconsin team and a 24-6 loss at Michigan. So, yeah, Michigan ah. eventually went to the Rose Bowl that year at 10-2, and having lost to Michigan State. It was the second-to-last game of the regular season, and Purdue loses by 18 up at Michigan, costing them a Rose Bowl. Uh, so even in a year where they had a win over Ohio State, they could not get it. They could not get to Pasadena, but nine two and one with a Peach Bowl win over Georgia Tech was really nice. It's not a bad consolation prize. And, and it's funny that the quarterback that Schleister battled with in that game was Mark Mark Herman, who he also split time with on the Colts. And Herman, a Carmel, Indiana product, so the local kid who got done over really, really wrong by the Colts one year. He was named the starter for the season opener, went out, won the season opener for one of the rare times that the Colts won their season opener while they were in Indianapolis before Peyton Manning. And then his reward for winning that season opener was to get cut and be replaced by Jeff George, who came back from injury. (laughs) (laughs) There was also a time when you had Jeff George and Jack Trudeau. Five of the Colts quarterbacks on the same roster. I remember those days, and Jack Trudeau was infinitely better than Jeff George. <laughs> so that is how we can end this Let's Get Weird podcast on a more positive note. We had the cautionary tale of our Schleister, but we can all laugh at Jeff George. Even Paul, the Illinois alum, where George is a legend, and George Jr. was a legend as well.
2: Oh my God, George Jr. I just... <laughs>
1: <laughs> we transferred to Michigan, and I'm like, oh, great. So you're going to go
2: from second string to sixth string. Have, have, <laughs> have fun with that. Uh, I mean, I yeah, though, one of my sisters got a ride home from a party at U of I on Jeff George's motorcycle. So <laughs> the,
1: the elder or the younger? The elder. Oh, my.
2: The starting quarterback in my day, I do remember one day, because we lived in, like, the same apartment complex. I was walking to the gym, and he was going to practice. And I remember, like, talking to him about Illinois had just won a big game, and which does not happen, obviously, very often. And hey, You've got the
1: cannon right now. I don't want to hear it. What's that? You've got the cannon right now. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, you guys pulled that big
2: upset. I mean – what was it like here where girls like throwing their panties at you, like your Tom Jones or something? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I went to ISU to visit my girlfriend. And that's probably a good thing. Cause if I had been here, I would have ended the night in a ditch. He said. <laughs> wow. So Bates family tradition, having colorful stories about parties or drinking with a lion. starting quarterbacks.
1: so on that note we can end this uh season debut of the let's get weird sports podcast uh we do appreciate you for being on paul and i don't know if we have quite a topic for the second episode yet uh if you've got a teaser to in your sign-off here, go for it. If not, we can uh, just call it things tonight, night, and uh, just thank you for listening, and uh, be sure to listen to us in the
0: future.
2: Yeah, I, um, I'm very surprised that I worked in a Tom Jones reference tonight. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not unusual. But, um... Hey, remember you told way. me about that... Uh... <laughs> Oh, stop. I better stop. Yeah, that was pun intended. Um oh, No, tell me about a bank a bank robbing bicyclist. Wow. Someone nice. tweeted that someone tweeted that to us that we should do one on the bank robbing bicyclist. And he is a connection to Michigan Avenue in Chicago here, is
1: that right? I don't know, I missed that one. Uh, I, I guess Lance Armstrong's really let himself go in retirement. <laughs> So, uh, with that in mind, we do thank you for listening to the Let's Get Weird Sports Podcast, and we will see you the next time.